Well, I can't help but do it and invoke a little bit of Monty Python. You're not my king. I didn't vote for you. Today is Christ the King Sunday, a name for this Sunday which actually only came about in the last century. It was a reaction to growing secularism and nationalism in the West in the 1920s. Pope Pius XI uh, first christened the day, if you will, for the last day, last Sunday, as it were, before All Saints and sent an encyclical. And if you read the encyclical, it's a fairly brief document, and at one level, it wants to establish the authority of the medieval church to a certain degree. But at another level, it's very prescient. It sees the growing danger at that time of the tendency towards nationalism and parochialism. And of course, within a generation, the human species would have experimented with totalitarianism, militarism, and fascism. And it would result in the largest bloodbath the world has ever seen. Truth of the matter is, we always need a king. Even those of us who live in a democracy, as we do here in the United States, we may not have kings to tear down from their thrones, but we certainly are fond of electing politicians, aren't we? And then cutting them down as soon as we elect them. And just look at how the electoral cycle works in all of its wonder. And as people rise to the top of their parties, how the media turns its scrutiny on them and picks at everything. And how we, like human beings over the millennia, love a scandal and love to see the mighty thrown down from their thrones. This past Thursday evening, my wife and I decided to play hooky, and we went to Book Passage to hear Deepak Chopra speak. And I found out what it takes to fill a place with people in Marin County. <laughs> Just bring in Deepak Chopra and you're in good shape. So we were all packed in there for sardines for the better part of an hour, but it was a wonderful time. And Deepak Chopra is probably one of the greatest lines currently on the planet. He is able to draw together multiple disciplines and look deeply at the human condition, even through the lens of contemporary biology and physics. And he pulls together all these wonderful experts to do really thoroughgoing research to back up what he sees happening. And he also pulls in ancient wisdom of the East and deep spiritual truths which are resonant with our readings today. He spent about five minutes showing us a video about the development of the human being from the embryo. And he said, you know, we are this beautiful dance of consciousness and stardust. And he said, if you are not in awe and wonder at every moment, it is only because you're asleep, he said. Mm -hmm. And indeed, the world is asleep much of the time. Much of the time. Pilate is asleep. 
in today's reading from the Gospel of John. Pilate is asleep because he lives in a world where he understands kings and power and violence and control. And standing before him, all he can see, this Jesus, is a Galilean peasant from the north, another rabble-rouser. Pilate knows how to deal with them. Another pretender who would be king of the Jews. And as Roman governor, he knows what you do when somebody amongst the Jewish populace arises and pretends to be king. You either make a puppet out of them or you crucify them. The late René Girard tells us about kings. Girard looked deep into all of the anthropological data from cultures the world over and realized something quite profound. And that is that kings are our primary scapegoat. Kings, presidents, politicians, tribal chieftains, yes, sometimes rectors. But, but he said, the irony is, as you look at all the data, that we both love our leaders and at the same time want to kill them. It's a startling revelation, but if you think about it for a moment, it makes sense. What do the English say upon the death of a monarch? The king is dead, long live the king, right? That's not unique, of course, to the English. Kings and other leaders know this. They know that if they do not find a common enemy for the people, that they will likely be the ire of the people's wrath and anger sooner or later. And that is because, as Gerard would have it, we like to project all of our fear and anxiety and violence upon a figure and cut them down. So at one level, when we say Christ is king, we are doing what human beings have done forever, and that is projecting all of our violence onto this Jewish teacher and peasant and prophet and calling him our savior and ladling upon him our sin. That is part of our theology. But at a deeper level, Gerard points out, and the theologians who have surrounded his philosophy and thinking, at a deeper level, Jesus is bearing witness to the fact that we are asleep in this cycle and system of violence that has dominated the human family since before recorded history began. And Jesus is here to take all of that upon himself and to invite us to wake up. The author of Daniel, writing sometime around the second century BC, at a time when the Seleucid Empire was dominating Israel and had desecrated the temple, draws out this story of Daniel, a hero who continues to pray to Yahweh even in a time when his life is threatened. It's a story that is cast back even further 
in the time of the Babylonian exile when Jerusalem is in disrepair and a few faithful remain. And Daniel proclaims the good news even in the face of death and has these visions which become critically important by the first century. At that time, Jesus took up these images from the book of Daniel, particularly this image of one who is like a human being, or as Daniel puts it elsewhere, a son of man. Something that Jesus uses to identify himself repeatedly in the Gospels. Contemporary theologian Brian McLaren takes that and he interprets it for our time by saying Son of Man could be understood as the new humanity. And that is who and what is standing before Pilate this day. If you can imagine with me, metaphorically, Pilate is the stand-in for the way the world works. The way of violence, the way of power, the way of domination. And Jesus points out to that way and to us, as well as to all of human history. This is not my way. This is not the way of the gospel. This is not the way of the new humanity. This is not the way of Christ. If it were, Jesus says to Pilate, what would be happening? Well, my followers would be engaged in violence to try to prevent me from being handed over to suffer, right? Be playing the game that the world has always played. But here instead is a holy victim, if you will, who confronts violence with nonviolence, who confronts hatred and fear with love. That is the witness of Christ the King. And another reason why we call Christ King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Because by saying that, we begin to unwind the sea of violence in which we were born. And we begin, as Deepak Chopra might say, to wake up. To become that new humanity, to become Christians, those who witness to the new life being birthed in our midst. We are blessed this day that Ferris Faderant and Keith Wedmore are going to offer themselves to that new life in baptism to claim Christ as their Lord and Savior, as King of Kings, so that no other ruler or domination or power will have the ultimate say in their life. But more than that, they are taking on the life of the new humanity, one to which all of us in our baptism have been called this new life that is not rooted in fear or hatred or violence or oppression, is rather rooted in love and self-offering, 
that is awake to this beautiful reality that is unfolding even now in our midst and in each of us. Deepak Chopra puts it this way, it is not that you are in the universe, the universe is in you. And that is what we have come to call the cosmic Christ. A later pope in the 1960s took another look at Christ the King and renamed it Jesus, Lord, King of the Universe, and moved the feast to the last Sunday of the church year, where we have it now. As a reminder, as we come to an end, that we usher in a new beginning. And as it seems the human family is embroiled again in this cycle of violence, that we are free to become the new humanity, the new beginning, the people of God. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.